Today on the show, we're talking about how to buy a used car. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and today I'm joined with Trevor, and we are doing part two of our annual series of how to buy and why to buy a used car. Yeah, so I think, you know, I always say this in other podcasts, I'm saying, if you get the why you're doing something down, the how is really easy. And I'm going to say that is true in everything. And I'm going to say, except when it comes to used cars, the used cars, you need as much help or you need to follow some sort of tested plan somebody's had for buying a used car as closely as possible. And that's why we're, I'm sharing my philosophy on, on how to buy a used car today. But this is where a really big why, there's so much money at stake when you buy a car that, that just trying to do the, the how on chance and, and randomness, it, it might not be the best choice. So Trevor, if, if anyone is maybe just finding out about Simple Money Solutions now, can they listen to our part two of how to buy a used car before listening to part one if maybe they're already devoted to the idea that they should own a used car? Do we cover anything last week that the listener should kind of go back and listen to? Well, no, absolutely. If you're in on, on used cars, I mean, just for pure entertainment, <laughs> I, We're hilarious. Listen, I say you listen to part one, but um, if you're already in on used cars and you think they're a great idea, then by all means, skip part one and, and just go straight to part two, because uh, there's no sense listening to how to buy a used car if you're not even interested in the idea. And why why are we even dedicating two episodes to the subject? Yes, like you said, it's the second largest um, kind of financial outlay we might make in our life. But but why two episodes? I, I'm trying to convince people to buy a used car in episode one. So I, I, I spent a lot of time talking to people who, who are contemplating a car purchase. And I, I begged them <laughs> almost in a crazy manner to buy used. And I'm going to say to our listeners... Most people, most families own two cars. So if you own, just say you're not in on used cars, but you own two cars, make one of them a used car. So, so if you have to have a new car and that's something that's ingrained in you and it makes you sleep at night, then go buy your new car, but make sure at least one of your cars is used. You speak with so much passion and conviction about the subject of used cars. Can you pinpoint maybe one thing that that has fueled and ignited this 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 passion that that you think that this is the right thing to do, and you wish everyone would follow suit? Well, the savings is astronomical. You are literally getting if you buy a car that's three or four years old with say fifty thousand kilometers on it, you're getting it for a roughly half price of a new one. So you're, you're, it's, it, you've only, you know, in kilometers or years, maybe 30% of that car's life has been used up. So you, you have 70% of that car's life left and you're getting it for half the price of new. And so the savings is, is it's astronomical. If you start doing this decade after decade after decade, this is the difference be, between this single-handedly could be the difference between early financial independence and not. When you you add 30 years of, of car buying habits o- over those decades, 
the savings of not losing your mind on on a $65,000 truck every three years and buying an economical piece of transportation, not a status symbol, secondhand, you are, the savings are dramatic. Wow, that is powerful right there. So before we get into the six hows of how to buy a used car, as we're following suit to the six whys uh, to buy a used car that we covered in last week's show. Uh, So before we even dive into that, do you believe that regardless of your age or regardless of how many years you have um, been a driver, that you are capable of figuring out the hows or going about discovering the hows of how to buy a used car? Well, I don't think the process changes much on, on how to buy a car, but I think you have to be willing to evolve with the time. So way back before leased cars were a thing, I think you had to go shopping for used cars with a completely different mentality. And now the concept of leased cars, it has created this surplus of, of used cars to be bought. So I, I and also if you think of a, a leased car, and I keep talking about leased cars, even though we're doing a show on used cars, the leased cars are the source, the, the best source of used cars. The used cars market is somewhat flooded because leased cars exist. And so if I, I just think that you have to be, so just say they come up with some other thing, something other than leases. Say they come up with some other invention to sell people cars they can't afford. That's basically what a lease is. I'm open to understanding how that's going to impact the used car market. So you have to be willing to float flex, and that's something I've learned over time. But one thing is your car needs are going to change as you go through life, like you're, you're starting in your age, Courtney, you're going to want something small, something economical. At some point you're going to need something larger that'll have a family and a stroller in the back and all those other things that go along with babies. Are you kidding me? I want a sky blue Dodge. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think that one exists that we talked about last week, but I hope, I hope it doesn't. But so your car needs, and then when you, you become an empty nester, your, your car needs evolve again. So I think you, you, you can't be dialed into a specific car. You, you have to be open-minded to meeting your, your car needs as your life evolves. So I kind of want to go back to something you said um, a few minutes ago, and that was about how things in the used car market have evolved since you first bought your used car. And I like that because it kind of speaks volumes to how you can't kind of, like you said, kind of last week, you can't put your blinders on to um, what what has worked in the past will work in the future. So how has your, and I, we're, I know we're going to kind of dive into this with, this is what this episode is about, but in, in general, how has your mentality shifted? How has your process shifted? Have and, and maybe how has the people around you and their perceptions of used cars and you driving a used car changed uh, over the years? Well, I used to think, so my original mindset of buying used cars, you know, I would only buy something that I, I thought an old person owned because they, they would have taken care of it and they would have not driven the crap out of it. So that, that was my mindset when I first was buying cars. I, I was looking for, actually the first used car I was buying for it, it was to meet my family's, I had a young family, so I was trying to find something that would suit somebody who had a young family. And I was looking at station wagons and I was looking at them because I thought, this is something old people would have owned 
and therefore it wouldn't have had the crap driven out of it. So that was the mentality I was going in with. And I didn't really understand the concept of, of leased cars. I didn't, I, I kind of, they were kind of, it was a new idea and I kind of thought they were more like rented cars. I didn't really associate it as ownership and somebody having to look after it was, I would, I would never want to buy a, a, a rented car as, as, a, as a used car. I think those definitely have the crap driven out of them. So uh, it's evolved in that I'm understanding why the car is for sale. I mean, th- that's been the constant and th- that why it's for sale has evolved, but I've always had stuck to that mindset. I have to know why this car is for sale. The reason it's for sale has changed over time. No, that's, that makes so much sense. So I want to dive now into your six hows of how to buy a used car, which again reflects the six whys of why we buy buy a used car, which we touched on last week. So let's dive into the hows now. So number one for um, how to buy a used car is realistically assess, realistically assess your transportation needs. So this is, if you went out, looking at cars and not really knowing what you needed. Forget what you want. Remember, trans- this is transportation. We're trying to meet a transportation need here. And so if you go out and you don't really have a really solid, this is what I need in transportation, then you will you will be seduced by all the shiny, fancy cars in those lots. You know, you, you will have gone out without a plan, without any intention of what it is you need. And those salespeople are professionals. They're being paid to seduce you into buying something that they have on their lot. And what's on their lot may not be what you need, but that's what they—that's what those people want to sell. So, it, the, and it's very powerful what they're trying to do. I mean, it's their job. I'm not criticizing them, but they're trying to sell the cars on their lot and they will convince you that this is the car you need. And you spend enough time with those people and you will believe it. So, if you don't go out there knowing your needs and sticking to it and understanding this is transportation and you know here's my my deal breakers the car has to have all these things if you don't have that solid in your mind ingrained and you just go out with sort of this very flaky loose feeling you know uh, I want it to be shiny I don't want to be too big I don't want it to be too small those vague things you're just going to end up with something that doesn't meet your needs and or you, you'll have bought whatever's on the lot. Wow. So I have like five things to, uh, to, to kind of branch off from there. I want to go first back to kind of the original point of, of realistically assess your transportation needs. And, and, and therefore, that might not even m- mean needing a car. And we did touch on this in last week's episode that sometimes having a car, whether it be used, does not actually meet your transportation needs. It's true. Yeah. So I I think you really need to honestly assess whether a car is really going to make your life better, right? Am I going to be able to accomplish more with a car given, given its cost, you're going to want to, if just, if you're going from no car to a car, this car is going to have to deliver some significant value or convenience that's going to justify that expense because own, car ownership is not cheap. To forget, aside from just buying it, op, the operation of a car, the insurance, the license, the fuel, the maintenance, all that stuff, that is is going to add a big line item to your budget. So it, it's something you you have to make sure it's going to deliver 
on that promise. And and to touch on the 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 point of 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 what are your needs and Trevor, you're no stranger to uh, shiny things and falling victim to shiny things. How do you kind of be honest with yourself and 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 realize what your actual needs are? Where 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 do you go about starting that process? Well, I think you got to look at it and say. We, so if if this is going to represent a status symbol to you, I can't help you. That that uh, that is that's that's you're buying a lifestyle thing. It's not transportation. I, there's nothing I can do to help that person. But if if you realistically need transportation, you, you got to say, okay, how far do I do I have to travel to work? So that that's going to say the size of car you need, the the fuel economy. Uh, do I have a family? How many people are going to be traveling with and or do I own a house? I might need something that can pull a trailer for utility reasons. Or maybe I need a truck. <laughs> and, maybe. And, and, and the only reason I need a truck is because I'm a contractor. I, I put things in the back of it, like dirt and wood and stuff like that. I make money on the weekends with it. So you, you have to assess what you're going to use this thing for. And and those are the only people that should own a truck, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> when I see the tunnel cover over the back, it drives me crazy. <laughs> I just, I lose my mind. I, in fact, if I'm behind one of those trucks with the cover on it, I've, I've got to go around it. I, I can't even look at that because I know that's on there to protect the box so there's no scratches. Like nothing goes in the back of that thing. Sorry anyway, to any truck owners. <laughs> truck rant. But so you need to assess what it is your, I think the most important thing is assume you have a already car and you're replacing it. How many kilometers do you put on this thing a year? That that's gonna and and then given the price of fuel, y- you can figure out what the gas mileage on all these cars are, and, and just see if you end up up you know getting to a bigger vehicle that's burning more gas, you can quickly see the impact that's gonna have on your finances. So assess your your transportation needs, and I think at this stage you can also dial into the. I would hope before you go out, you've narrowed your search down to a particular a small group of makes and models of cars. So you, you, before you actually go out, you can do a lot of research online and figure out, and you can see cars on the road. I mean, you should, when you're assessing your transportation needs, you should be able to dial into one or two models of, of every make, of every manufacturer, right? There's, usually there's just one, but you might dial into one or two of each manufacturer and then you can sort of do some research and look at the the ratings on those particular manufacturers for those models. But you, at this stage, you should be dialed in. So, because the problem is, if you don't have, a, a, if you haven't narrowed your search down like that, this becomes a daunting task, and you will you'll be shopping for a car for months if if you don't dial into a, a small subset of, of the cars that are available. So I, I, I want to zero in on the concept of narrowing it down. I, I like that you you said that you have to kind of define the make and model you want. That makes sense. But I, I, we, like we kind of mentioned on last week's show, we have to kind of draw the line somewhere. Uh, when we're talking sunroof and color and, and, and shiny features on the inside, correct me if I'm wrong, but there definitely has to be a line drawn in the sand somewhere. Well... So you don't want to get married to a particular brand of car because once you get married to an outcome, 
you all of a sudden you take a whole bunch of decisions off the table. You you just take a bunch of options away. So I made that mistake. One of my buying experiences is I I was married to a, a particular brand, and I I was just put the blinders on and said that's all I'm I'm going to own, and I closed off a, a, a plethora of of fine automobiles that I could have test drove in and and and. If, if nothing else, just use as a comparison to what I thought was good. So uh, we might cover this in one of the upcoming points, but I do want to backtrack to the point you made earlier about the incredibly convincing um, selling tactics, which is a part of um, uh, car uh, salespeople's jobs. And and again, like you said, that, that is their job and they do an incredible job at it. But what are your strategies to to not be convinced and compelled to, to only kind of zero in on the brand new shiny 2019 models of cars when you're when you're out there shopping? Oh, I, I am when I'm going to buy a used car, the minute somebody mentions new car, I, I shut that down uh, as politely as possible, but I say a, a new car is not an option here. I, I have zero interest in a new car, and it, if it takes too much convincing, I'm I'm probably at the wrong car dealer, right? So I, I and I try to say it as as strongly as possible without being rude that that I'm not interested in a new car. I, it's going to be a used car, so because the minute they don't have what you're looking for at, at a at a car lot. They try to push you into the new ones because they clearly, if you go there looking for, I need a car like this, and you look at their use section and it doesn't exist, they they can't order one in. They have to wait till somebody actually trades one, it brings one in on a trade or returns it from a lease. So you, they're doing their job to, they want to sell you a car. They don't care which one. So if they haven't got the used car you're looking for, they wouldn't be doing their job if they didn't try to sell you a new one. So I, I'm not criticizing those people. They're they're doing a fabulous job, but they, they just, I'm not interested. I, I really like that point that you raised there. And it goes back to how we always say that being frugal, being um, financially savvy is not always convenient and that you might have to come back in a, in, in a week, two weeks, a month when there are other used car options. Oh, buying a used car... It requires an extreme amount of patience. You, you and and the worst thing is is when you see a car that's close to meeting your needs, and you think I got to take this because once it's gone, it's gone. You know, I I have to wait for another one. You can't you can't go with that mindset. If it's not if it, if it's if it's not close enough to meeting your needs, let it go. You know, I mean meaning it it's too expensive or it's got too many kilometers or it's it, it's it's not quite what you need in a car at that particular moment in time, let it go. There'll be another one. There always is. That That is an important piece. Uh, my final question before we move on to point number two, when you are at the car lot and assessing your transportation needs as, as you're looking at these cars, you, you always mention how your wife is a an advocate of, of kind of steering you clear of shiny things and kind of being that incredible support system. How do you and her work together to, to, to ensure that you are walking away with that car that will meet your needs? Well, I think you always need a voice of reason because once you get into the weeds of looking at cars and comparing cars, you you need at some point you need somebody to come in and say 
yeah, this doesn't make sense, right? This this doesn't really meet our needs. You know, I, I was I got lost in the weeds, and I need somebody to pull me out. So you do need somebody and somebody to help you. But what I what we do is is I go out and do all the legwork, and I I go out and, and test drive a whole bunch of cars, and I come up with a short list of things that these are the ones I think are are worth taking a second look at, and that's when I'll bring my wife with me, and, and then she comes in and and she. She maybe look. She looks at different things than I'd be looking at. So it's it's great that way. But she also says, you know, this is fancy and shiny, but we don't need this. And she's a great person for bringing that to light, right? As much as sometimes I don't want to hear it, <laughs> she's a great one for bringing that to my attention. And and I I I don't maybe thank her for it at that moment in time, but but I do end, end up thanking her for for you know bringing me back to reality i really like how and when your wife is brought in on this process because you've kind of she's been entirely removed until a certain point so she's not kind of clouded by any other things that has happened she kind of has a fresh set of eyes on a situation that you may be too heavily involved in what distracted by again like you said a shiny thing or a car color or 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 something like that well her car needs are pretty basic she says, when I put the key in the ignition and turn it, does it start? You know, <laughs> and that, that's what she's looking for. And I said, unfortunately, on this new car, you're going to be disappointed because <laughs> you, you don't put the key in the ignition. So, but she got over that. So let's, uh, let's skip on to point number two. And the second point of how to buy a used car is set a budget and stick to it. So, I mean, there are, there are six incredible points on this list, but this point seems so, uh, so important. Well, this is the one where you could lose your mind, right? So this is before you actually leave your house. You you have a budget, and this is how this is how you know you can afford a car. So, in a perfect world, everyone would pay cash for their used cars, but I'm going to say that's that's not an option for everybody. So, if you have to borrow money, I said this last episode, you have to be able to pay it off inside of 36 months, three years. That, that is the maximum time you want to be paying for a depreciating, something that's going down in value every single day. You don't want to pay for for any longer than three years. And I, I say three years because three years is it fits in the window of, of dealing with financial emergencies. And, and having borrowed, borrowing money to buy something that's going down in value is a financial emergency. It turns out we've We've created the financial emergency by going out and getting the loan for the car. Like it didn't just happen to us. We actually did it, but it needs to be addressed like a financial emergency. I have this thing that's going down in value every single day. I borrowed money, introducing risk into my life. I need to get this risk out of my life inside of 36 months. So that that is unnegotiable. This is if you're buying a car, that is that is a a in stone. It has to be. Another gauge to see if you can afford a car is you should, and I said this last week, you should have no more than 50% of your household annual income tied up in things with wheels. So when you look out in your driveway at any moment in time, I I look out my front window and I have two cars in my driveway, their current value, the current book value of those cars cannot exceed 50% of my household income. If they do, I have too much car given my income. So that those are so coming up with a budget for how much should I spend in a car in my mind is real easy. And, but you need to do this before you leave your house. 
And this can be, I mean, if you find a car and it's the perfect car, but it's, it's another $7,000. No, that car is not an option. I cannot get a loan and pay it off in three years. It won't fit in my budget. So that is, to me, this is, is the most critical step, but an easy one to solve. But Trevor, you own your car and I may own my car for 10 years, 12 years. Why do I have to pay it off in three? Because, well, you're borrowing money for something that's going down in value. So we talked about this last week. So just say you bought a new car, brand new car, $45,000. No, let's go $65,000 truck. <laughs> Why not? Eh? It's my favorite example. Okay. And the dealership was nice enough to loan you the money over eight years. I mean, these people are just great people. So right? nice. You can't afford it over three years. You can pay us back over eight years. Wow. Well, I mean, these people are your friends, right? So <laughs> <laughs> so, so now you've got this $65,000 truck and you're paying off this loan and you get these fixed loan payments, right? They're $1,200 every month. It's a crazy number, but it's probably going to be that much. <laughs> so $1,200. So you're paying this loan off in a linear fashion meaning the amount you owe the financing company is going down in this very linear straight line, right? The problem is your truck is depreciating at a, a rapid, enormous rate. It's, it's depreciating faster than you are paying off your loan. And just say at, at year two, you decide, holy crap, I can't afford $1,200 truck payments. I'm losing my mind. I got to get rid of this thing because I need to eat. So now you go to sell it and you realize, crap, I owe more on this truck than I can sell it for. What am I going to do? I can't afford the $1,200 payment and I, I can't afford to sell it because I, I still owe on it, even if I got rid of the truck. So you, this is being like uh, different terms, upside down on your truck loan, underwater, whatever term you want to use. But think of the risk you bring into your life when you start financing something that goes down in value over a period greater than 36 months. And so just say you that same $65,000 $65, truck, say you finance it over three years. I don't know what the payments would be. They'd be something insane. <laughs> but you would be paying that off at such a rate that that truck could not depreciate faster than you were paying it off. Unless, of course, you put dirt and stuff in the back of it and got it all scratched up. <laughs> then maybe it would depreciate more. But let's just say you didn't. You put one of those nice tunnel covers over it. And it depreciated at, no matter how fast it's depreciating, over 36 months, you are paying it off faster than it's depreciating. So, but we're enough with new trucks. We're, we're never going there. So used cars, 36 months, it, it, the depreciation, by the time you buy the car I'm describing, most of the depreciation has been uh, paid up front by the person who bought it new. So that's not a, is, as big a risk, but I still don't like, having some depreciating thing, something going down in value that I have an outstanding loan for. So that that's 36 months that I, I just, I can't waver on that. So I, I want to move on to point number three. And the third, uh, third how of how to buy a used car is do your research. So if we're our, if we're a first time used car buyer, it can seem a little bit intimidating because they're going about it in a different way than maybe a lot of the rest of society is. So how, how, how do you even start? How do you even navigate the, uh, the used car market? 
Well, thanks to the internet, I mean, way back in time, this this was a, a challenge, but with the internet, I mean, go into something like Auto Trader, and you can quickly see what people are asking for cars. I mean, this isn't what they're selling for. This is what people are asking. So it gives you a, a starting point. I mean, you can look, it, it has the kilometers, the year, the the options, and, and you can quickly figure out uh, what uh, uh, the market price, the market asking price for a car is. I mean, it, some pretty basic spreadsheet skills and, and an hour on AutoTrader, and you can assemble a, quite a list and come up with an average, and, and maybe uh, I would take out the the outliers, meaning the, the cars that are, are, the price is really low and the price is really high, and just sort of work within the mean. And you can quickly figure out what you, what this should be worth. And, but being an informed car buyer goes beyond that. So you want to know, again, with the advent of the internet, every car, I don't care who makes it, every car has a, a flaw in manufacturing. You know, there's, maybe there hasn't been a recall, but there's this known problem with a particular, every, every manufacturer's got it. Every model has it. There's this known problem. Like some of them, it could be transmissions tend to fail early on Honda Odyssey vans. Uh, actually, that was a known problem on a, on a 2003 Honda Odysseys. I remember looking at it. Transmissions failed on those prematurely, and it was outside of the warranty period. And it, it was a known problem. So when you bought one of those, you just knew you'd be putting in a rebuilt transmission at some point. So you, you have to look at it and say, is that something I can live with? Well, that one I couldn't. But, you know, some of the other cars, they might have a known wheel, bear, wheel bearing problems. Or uh, some, of, some of the petty things are, I, I remember looking at a car and I'm searching online and the power windows uh, on a particular car I was looking at, they they failed, right? And so I looked up, what did power windows cost? Well, they're $500 to fix each power window. So that's $1,000. Could I live with that flaw? Maybe, you know what I mean? That's that's not as, that's not mechanical. That, that's not going to leave me stranded on a highway. So be an informed buyer. Know, find, figure out what the known flaws are in the cars you're looking at. They all have them. Just don't pretend they don't. And if you haven't found the flaw, you haven't looked hard enough because every single one has the flaw. You just, you just have to, there, there's so many user forms. And I, I own a Honda CRV and, and there's a, a Honda CRV user form I look at. And I looked, the one I bought, I looked at all the known problems that that had. And, and I mean, you have to go, again, it takes some effort. You have to go through, some people, you know, they had a really bad experience. Some people said, you know, it's it's not as bad as everyone says it is. So you have to read through all these things. It's effort, but I, I felt really comfortable when I was going out buying it, that I, that I knew this about this car. And the sales guy probably knew it too. He's not going to tell me, but, but I, I knew it. And the other reason you want to be an informed buyer is, I think when you're talking to sales guys, I, I mean, you don't want to be arrogant, but you want to come across like you know that this is not a good price for this car, right? You, and don't be afraid to tell a sales guy that, you know, I really like this car. It seems a little overpriced given the market price I, I found on these cars. Could you tell me, you know, why it's priced a little high? And they might say, well, you know, there's a little room for negotiation and all of a sudden you open the door for that, right? So, but being an informed buyer, I think you just, you, you, not arrogance, but you come out, you, you, you end up looking more confident in, in your car shopping experience. I, I, I think you give off a different aura if you're informed. I, I, I think I do anyway. I, and it, it could just be in my mind. I just, I don't feel I'm going to be taken advantage of as much.
No, I, I love that point. I think that's important to walk in with, with that, that mentality, especially because maybe if you are buying used for the first time, you're a little uncertain as it is. And, and you can get down a rabbit hole doing your research and, and I caution that you don't do that because you go waste a lot of time, but make notes, you know, you, cause you could spend like two hours on the internet and, and come away with nothing. Right. Like, so I, I, I build spreadsheets and I, and I make notes and, and so, and it's going to be, I, there's no sense me telling you exactly what my spreadsheet looks like. Cause other people, pe- different people's minds work different ways, but I built a little database of, of, of all the cars I've looked at on say auto trader. And then I build a, another page in that same spreadsheet with known problems. And, and then I will put beside those problems if I can live with that or not. You know, if, if they're, if they're deal breakers on a particular model or make. So when you're doing your research, make some notes because you don't want to spend two hours on the internet and come away with nothing but videos of lions and gazelles. <laughs> Cause I've been there too. So, and YouTube's another good place. I mean, uh, I've looked up, you know, problem with Honda CRV on YouTube and, and people would come back with, you know, a YouTube video on, on a problem they had. And often it's how they fixed a problem. So anyway, there, there's a lot out there, but just if, if you get nothing else other than self-confidence out of being an informed buyer, just say you, you're not any smarter than anybody else that shows up at that car lot but you feel informed. I, I think that just changes how you conduct yourself on the car lot. So I'm not sure if this falls into point number three, but we mentioned it in the last episode that we did on used cars, but we, we received an, a listener uh, email uh, kind of with the more negative experience purchasing a used car. And there's a great quote that she had in her email. And it was, when you're buying a used car, you're buying someone else's problem. So uh, we, again, we might kind of touch on this quote, maybe it doesn't pertain to point number three, but when you are doing your research, I'm guessing that that kind of comes through. Well, I think the problem with that particular one is is more related to point number four. And well, let's let's jump on to point number four then. So point number four is only buy from a dealership. Now on the surface, this would seem crazy, right? Because I think if you were to look at the cars at a, a an auto trader, they're being sold privately by just Joe on the street. They, they, they look, they look cheaper, less expensive than, than at a, say, a, okay, so I'm, I'm going to say Honda because I bought a Honda. Then at the Honda dealership, their used cars, their used cars seem to be a little more expensive. And it's because it, this is a theory, but I mean, I, I have to think it's true and I'll tell you why. I think uh, I'm going to use Honda. So Honda is only going to carry really high quality used Hondas to sell. And it's it's because they don't want to tarnish their brand. They they don't want to be selling cars on their last legs, a Honda that's that's, you know, hope hope you make it home with this thing. Good luck. <laughs> you know, you know, and, and then you're gonna say, oh Hondas are crap, right? I bought it from a Honda dealer and this thing, you know, let me down a week later. So and so when I I had a Honda I traded in when I bought my most recent one and I said, you know, what do you guys do with these? And it was really, my mine was like almost 13 years old. And he said, oh, we wouldn't sell something that's in our lot. It's it's too old. It's got too many kilometers. It's it's too worn out. 
we'll send this off to auction. You know, we, we would not keep something like this on our lot. And that's not the first time I've been told that by, by a dealership. So I, that, I have a lot of comfort knowing that that's what they think about an older car. They're not going to try to sell this. And when, and the other reason is I have this theory, you should only buy a car returned from a lease. So when you lease a car from Honda or Ford or GM, you're bringing it back to the place you leased it from, which is the dealership. And they're, they're going to resell it then because they already have the lot. They have the, the infrastructure to sell these cars. So that is, that is the reason I say a dealership. It, it, you're just going to end up with a, a, higher, a selection of higher quality cars to pick from. You're not going to have to sift through the crap and, and, and invest even more time finding out, you know, you drove all the way to the other side of the city to find out this car was a piece of junk. So th- that's the reason I, I go with dealerships. And to, to our listeners email, when you're buying a car, it's so, this is, I mean, when you're buying anything used, you have to speculate with some level of confidence of why this thing is for sale. You if you can't answer that question, I mean, you'll never know the true answer. But if you can't speculate with some level of confidence why this thing is for sale, then you could, in fact, be buying somebody else's problems. So in the case of a leased car, this thing is for sale because the person who probably lost their mind, they're leasing cars, right? They're, ma- they're making payments constantly. They're done leasing this car. The lease agreement expired. Therefore, they have to get rid of this. And the other thing with leased cars is the, the person, I, I know this from somebody who leased a car, when the lease expires, the leaseholder has the option to buy the car from the dealership at a below market price. This tells me the dealership has made all the money they need to make off of that car. They're willing to let it go to the leaseholder at a below market price. So they've already made their money. And if the person says, no, I don't want to buy it, I'm going to lease another car, then they put it for sale on their lot. Well, if they were willing to sell it at a below market price to the leaseholder, they would, if they just sell at a market price to me, they're, they're making a profit. So I'm, I've, my experience has been, there's some room, there's some negotiation room on those cars at the dealership. There's room to negotiate down the price. So, and I, I have successfully done that every time. I know we mentioned this point um, last year when we did our our annual car episode, but you did mention that when you buy a car from a dealership, that that dealership will keep records of of where what that car's been through. Well, you know, so when you buy a used car in Ontario, you have to provide the as a seller, you have to provide what's called the used car package, and the used car package it also includes if any accidents have been uh, claimed against that particular VIN number. And so at the dealership, they, they actually, I, f- I phone up dealerships and say, hey, can you send me the um, car? It's called the Carfax on this used car uh, I've seen on your website. And they, they will email it to me. So I've built a rapport with this, with this dealership. So they, they know who I am. It's not like I'm just Joe calling from wherever, right? I'll talk, I've met a sales guy there. I've talked to him. And then I'll, I'll, I'll see a new car show up on the website. I'll call them up say, hey, can you send me the Carfax on that? And the Carfax will show any insurance claims, any accidents reported against that car, and any, it, again, for, if it's been leased, all the maintenance records. So I can see the oil's been changed. It shows the date, the kilometers. The, the, 
when you buy a car that's been returned from a lease, the maintenance records are so detailed. Like you don't have to wonder if this thing's been maintained. It, it has been like, there's going to be proof. Like you, you don't even have to take someone's word for it. You can, you can see it. I mean, these are not fabricated records. So yeah, that's true. You, by buying from a dealership, you get way more information about the car you're buying. That's incredible. There's so much level of transparency there. It's, it's like you almost drove the, drove the car before it was, it was put for sale. And so I'd be willing to pay, I'm not saying I do pay a premium, but I would be willing to pay a small premium for that peace of mind. And I don't think I am paying a premium when I buy from a dealership. I think I'm just getting a selection of really high quality used cars to pick from. But I also get this added level of confidence. And the other thing they they do at these dealerships, I know this is true with Honda, is they have this, and I can't believe they do this, I have this 30-day return policy. Wow. No question no questions asked. If this car for whatever reason doesn't meet your needs, you can return it. And I don't know if I just lucked out on the on the dealership I deal with but the, and I've never taken advantage of it. Here's another thing is is they tend to stand behind their product. So I I did buy a Honda Civic at a at this Honda dealership. I know it sounds like I'm married to Honda, but I do test I did every time I bought a car, I did look at other brands and I did seriously consider other brands. I just ended up back at the same place. Uh, and it's not that I'm married to Honda Addict, so I'm not going back on that one. I bought it in the winter. And then the first time I went to use the air conditioner, I hit the air conditioner button and nothing. And I go, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, I bought this in the winter and now I, I summer comes no air conditioner. It was probably the hottest it, day of the summer because we hadn't needed it, it before then. It, it was. And so I, I went back and this was like six, seven months after I bought it. and I And they said, I phoned them up and I said, you wouldn't believe this. And he goes, bring it in. You know, we'll look after you. I took it in and they, they fixed it. No charge. You know, that, that would, if you bought it just from Joe down the street, I obviously he's not going to give you that kind of service. So little things like that. But I, I'm a fan of buying it from a dealership. They, they're in the business of selling cars. They, they, they have a reputation they're trying to uphold. So and I think the last thing I want to mention before we move on to point number five is kind of the, the stigma around the service. So I like that you have voiced, and maybe it's your dealership, maybe um, I can't speak for all dealerships, but I'm sure that wherever you go, the service is going to be as amazing. And even though you're not buying that new 2019 car, you're still getting that incredible level of service, even though you're buying new or used instead of new. Well, I really think these people think at some level they're going to eventually sell me a new car. I, so I, I do feel bad because <laughs> they, 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 I think they try to keep me as, you know, as, as a loyal customer, hoping that one day you will buy a new car and I never will, but they don't know that. No, that's fair. So let's, let's move on to point number five. And this is the second last um, tip on how to buy a used car. And point number five is test drive as many as possible. So we talked about this point a little bit in our last week's episode, but how important is this point in, in the grand scheme of, of buying a used car? So if you think back to point one, uh, we said, you know, narrow your search down. You, you, so before you actually start test driving, you need to get your search narrowed down so you're you're looking at uh, comparable models within different manufacturers because what you're trying to do is find out what, what, what's going to meet your need the best. And then once you've, you've, you've decided that, you know, it's a Toyota Corolla, that is the car that's going to meet my needs, I think there's the most value there. Just, just say that's your, your, your final decision and you've, you've test drive 
all the General Motors and Fords and Hondas and Nissans that compare to the, the Toyota Corolla, you know, they all have a comparable car. And you've decided that you really like the way it drives. You think it has the biggest trunk and the best gas mileage. You, whatever your criteria is, you've decided this is the one. Now the test driving really begins. So you, you may have already test drove a dozen cars to narrow down to the Toyota Corolla. Now you need to test drive a ton of Toyota Corollas to know if, if and what you're looking for is you're test driving enough of them and you might even have to go off the dealership lot and, and find a private sale one to test drive. You want to drive one that drives like a piece of crap, one that has had the crap driven out of it because the problem is your point of reference, if, if you're like me, is your 13-year-old car. So every car you get in that you're thinking of buying is going to feel really tight and nice to drive. It's going to be, it's going to feel like it's new. So but what, what if you're the opposite end of the spectrum? What if you've only bought new cars your whole life? Or what if you've barely, this is your first car? How do you, how do you go about it at that point? Well, even if you, if you've only drove new cars, your, your car has, is, if you're looking for another car, your car's worn out, right? You're, 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 you're in something that's, that's, Obviously, if you're thinking of moving on to another car, you're in a, you're in an older car. You're 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 at this point. You're upgrading your your car. You're upgrading to something newer, more reliable. So no matter what you're going from, you, the the car you're currently driving is not a good reference point for what you hope your new car is going to drive like. Because everything's going to drive better. That's the problem. You, it's like you've lost your sense of smell. You 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 don't know anymore. So you need to find one that you know pulls to the left and. It has a bunch of rattles and it, it, it vibrates on the highway and you need something that really drives like crap. You know, the, so you've, it, again, Toyota Corolla 2014, you know, this is the one you've, you've really set your, your mind to. Now it's, now the, the, the hunt is on for a piece of junk 2014 Toyota Corolla. And then, then you know, okay, that's what one that hasn't been taken care of drives like. So now you're looking for the one you want to buy. It sounds crazy, but that, that has worked for me. And so then you, then you start to appreciate the really well taken care of ones and you can't go by cosmetically. I mean, these dealerships detail these cars. They look like new, they smell like new. I mean, you can't tell cosmetically that they'll do touch up work. And if, if there's been any scratches, you, you, the, the, to me, the true test is driving it and you got to get it on the highway. And this sounds crazy, and I've only done this once, so I'm not saying I do this all the time. But if you can, take the car home and wash it, hand wash it in your driveway. I mean, this is this is extreme. I'm not saying the, like, I've only ever done it once. Uh, take it home, and it, you know you can wash a car in in ten minutes. But when you wash a car, you get down and you look at things you normally wouldn't look at, just because you wash every inch of that car. And, and you, you see things that you might not have otherwise seen. So if you, if you can dial it down to, you know, I think this is the one. I want to take it for one more test drive. Take it on the highway, pull in your driveway, give it a wash. I know it sounds crazy, but trust me, you'll see things you wouldn't otherwise see. And, and to me, that is, if you, if you do that, you have, you have really scrutinized a car at the, finest level of detail i never would have thought of, of doing something like that like washing our car but but you are right when you're when you're buying used 
you can't just assume everything will be okay with it as like you can when you're buying new. You knew you, you expect the best, you're going to get the best. But with, with used, you really have to, 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 to really examine it and, and every detail of it. Well, you remember you get that car proof report. So you're not looking for, has this been in an accident? You, you, you're not even taking those for a test drive, right? That, that's my, my criteria. If this thing's had an accident reported on it, I'm not interested. So you, you take a ton of cars off the table when, you, when you're, but you're looking for, for things where maybe this thing has, you know, rust is starting to appear on a fender that you wouldn't have seen otherwise had you not got down to your hands and knees and washed it. So you, you might see things like that. So I, it, it sounds crazy. I've only ever done it once. So it's like, and I've bought a lot of used cars, so I'm not saying I do it every time, but if you, maybe you're a little suspicious or if you're just, if you have a little inkling that you know this car everything's great but for some reason i feel uneasy this might that might be the step that pushes you over the edge and when we're talking about the nitty-gritty details of actually tasting taking it for a test drive what what season are we taking it for test drive we are fortunate or unfortunate to have a, a diverse a climate of seasons here in canada are, are you test driving in the winter to see how it handles or drive pavement what, what do what do you go for well, it kind of depends on your, I, I'm, I'm assuming if you're out shopping for a used car, it's because you need one, not because you want one. So I don't think you can really pick the time of year. Ideally, you'd buy one in the middle of the summer when the weather's great, right? Well, the, it, that may not be when your old car finally wears out and, and, and starts to, you question its reliability. You know, next thing you don't, you, you don't want to go out of town because you don't think this is going to let you down. So I, 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 I don't think you can have a time of year, but you need to get this thing on the highway. I mean, a car really unveils its its little dirty little secrets at, at 100 kilometers an hour, right? It kind of yeah. reveals, you know, what it's made of at, the, at high speeds. So you have to get it on the highway, no question. Um, yeah, you can only learn so much driving around town in a car. Get it opened up on the highway and and you'll, you'll learn a lot about it. No, that's I, I cannot agree more at that point. Before we move on to the last point, I'm, I'm going to kind of take a windy road in and ask you about something you just said. You mentioned reliability. So again, I'm, I'm kind of going off course here, but how, if, 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 an, if an individual has kind of been toying with the idea of buying a used car, and, but they're hesitant because they're not sure if the reliability is there with a used car as it is with a new, what, what's your kind of piece of advice for that? Well, when I look at a car and look at the maintenance of a car, there's there's two kinds of things. There's the predictable things that wear out, like brakes and tires. And those things, they just naturally wear out. It's, it's, it, to me, that's not a repair. That's just maintenance, right? Those are, that's just regular maintenance. And then, but then you get into things that, that wear out that you don't expect to, right? The, 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 the one-offs, like a, a wheel bearing will go, or a transmission. I mean, a transmission should really last the, last the life of a car. But when you start getting into big repairs, and so I, I have this, this is my theory when it's time to part ways with a car, is when you end up, so this is why I got rid of my, my last car. So uh, I, I had a problem with the axles. So I was driving my car and it, it, would, it would start to vibrate when I took off from a stop sign or a stop light. And then I get up to a certain speed and the vibration would go away. Well, slowly over time, the vibration, it, it took longer and longer for the vibration to go away. Eventually, the vibration never went away. And so I took it into the, I took it in the dealership the first time I noticed it and they told me what it was. And then I took it back in to say, you know, is this on its last legs? And they said, well, it's getting pretty bad, you know, and you might want to consider 
getting this, these axles done. And I go, well, how much is it? And so the, the axle replacement was going to be $3,000 before tax. That was labor and parts. And so I went on Auto Trader and I said, you know, what's this car worth? And it was worth about 2800 So once the repair exceeds the value of the car, you have to start to, and, and the thing that went wrong is not natural wear. It, it's an unusual repair. So that, that's kind of the twofold. So that's when it's, it, for me, it's, it's time to move on, right? Like, because if I put $3,000 into a $2,800 car, then all of a sudden I'm, I've got more invested in this car than it's actually, it's actually worth. So I, I don't know. That's, that's my approach. Other people might say, you know, just keep pouring the money into it till it won't start. I, 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 I sleep at night knowing I have something in my driveway that's somewhat reliable. No, that makes sense. And it's, it's, it's a math equation. It, 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 you, there's logic there. I, I like that. So let's let's touch on the final point of this episode, how to buy a used car. And point number six is beware of a deal that's too good to be true. And so this is probably the most important thing to consider in buying a used car. This is the most important how is when you find a deal that is too good to be true, it means you've missed something. You, you're not seeing something that is in front of you because the seller they know more about this car than you, the buyer, always. Like, unless you, there's the odd case where you, you're, you, you find some, you know, older lady who, who's never drove and her, her husband's passed away and she just wants to get rid of this car. I mean, do you really want to take advantage of that person? Is, 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 that, is, is that the depths you sunk to that you want to exploit somebody who... So there's a rare occasion where somebody, the seller doesn't know anything about something they're selling. But... I would hope you don't want to exploit that person or you, the karma will get you in the end. So when you find a deal that's too good to be true and you're, you're dealing with a, you, you know, your average run of the mill seller at a dealership, you're missing something. You, you should be willing to pay fair market value for a, a fair market car, right? You, you should know the market price before you go out. Cause we said, be, you know, go out, be an informed buyer but be willing to pay far, fair market value. I, I have, I, I like a deal as much as the next guy, but I, I don't want an outrageous deal only to find out that I missed something in the end. Or worse, I, I don't want to exploit somebody. So this happens quite a bit during episodes where at this like mic drop moment will happen and I'm just like, wow. And that point right there, Trevor, was a wow moment because... When it comes to buying used, if we think about clothing or we think about anything else, maybe we purchase at Value Village. When we do buy there uh, an item of clothing, it, it is used and it, we are getting it for a deal. And generally we shop used clothing because it will be a deal or, or it will be uh, amazing. And it's, it's just, uh, and nothing's really wrong with it, but it's a, that's a good place to buy used. But to your point about used cars... We, we're not we're not buying used cars because we're getting a deal or a steal. No, we're buying used because it is generally just a lower price, more frugal of a decision than buying new. Well, even with the clothes example you went to, you, when you look at clothes in a used clothing store, do you wonder why they're for sale? Like, do you look at it and say, oh, gee, I wonder why this perfectly, this perfect jacket or this, this these pants, the, the, the tag is still on them. I can't believe they're in this used clothing store. Do you give it any thought to why it might be there? 
true. And it, yeah. Like quite often you'll hold it up and say, well, this is the ugliest, <laughs> you know, like, you know, these navy blue, these royal blue pants. I, I'm never, you know, I can't believe they're in this used clothing store. I've been looking for navy blue pants or, or royal blue pants for, for years. I mean, they're, they're in there because they're out of style, but the, or somebody's outgrown them, right? In the wrong direction. Like, but if if you go in there and you see a pair of pants that are just worn right out, I mean, the, the the knees are worn out, the cuffs are all tattered and torn. Those pants are there because they're worn out, right? And but you're not buying those. Yeah, no, because right. the, the the story is there in the article of clothing. It went out of fashion or it's worn out. You know, those those are reasons they're in used clothing stores, and you're not buying those. But with a used car, the, there's more mystery behind it. There's there's more there's more of a story. So. And, and back to my th- thing, you, you have to know why it's for sale. And if you, it, so this is when I was shopping for a used car, I, I mentioned to people at work, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a used car and, and I would, you know, strike up a conversation about different cars I test drove and how much they were. And then eventually somebody would come to me and say, I, you know, I, I, I know you're looking for this kind of car. I seen a, a deal, a guy down the street's got one and he, it's, it's like, $5,000 less than what you've been mentioning. And I I can only imagine if, like, why would somebody want to sell a car for $5,000 less than the market price? Would this guy not do the homework I described and go into Auto Trader and see what the market price of a car is? Everybody's going to do that. I mean, nobody, if you if I put something for sale, I go and look at what the market price is. No, yeah, I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So, Trevor, those are the six uh, points of how to buy a used car. I do want to throw in a bonus number seven. And my bonus number seven is realize you'll have to make compromises. And I say this point because of your recent used car purchase. Um, You purchased your CRV in a color that you really weren't in love with. So at what point should we make compromises too many compromises and the fact they'll be unhappy. Where do you draw that line? See, I love that that I made that compromise. I love that I made a compromise on color. And I, I really, I don't know that I had a color in mind. I, I, I didn't really, I didn't go out saying, oh, it has to be sky blue <laughs> with a beige interior. <laughs> yes. You know, that wasn't on my list. But I, I, I looked, when I bought it, I, I, I so I, I did this thing. I said, okay, what don't I like about this car? Because I, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, it's meeting all my needs, but what can, I, I like, I like that I have to make a concession when I buy a used car. Cause I, I know I didn't just buy, I, I don't want the price to be the concession, right? I want to know I made a concession somewhere else. That's, you're right. This is a good point. When you buy a car, it's a compromise. You're making, you need to make concessions on things. And so I, I made a concession on I looked at it and I could care less of the color, but I decided the concession I'm making is on the color. And I love that that's what it, I, I didn't want to make a concession that it has way more options than I wanted to. And I had to pay for those, but it had the right kilometers and it was, it was the color I wanted. That That's a concession I, I would feel terrible about, but I love making a concession on something cosmetic. So that, that's a very good point. So that brings us to the end of our episode today on how to buy a used car. 
if you listening to this have any really great tips on on one thing or two things that you do to buy a used car that really make the difference for you, we'd love to hear those. You can always reach out to us through our email at livelifesimple365 at gmail.com or over on our website, livelifesimple.ca, where we have our contact submission form. Trevor, before we end the show, do you have any final thoughts or takeaways for part two of our two-part buying a used car series? Well, like I said at the beginning, if you have a big enough why you're doing something, the how is easy, except with something like this because there's so much money at stake. So don't leave the how-to to trial and error. You know, Try to learn from somebody else. And I would hope our listeners would write in. I would love to hear any tips or strategies other people use or maybe somebody poke holes in my, my theories because I'm always open to changing it up and coming up with a better philosophy for my next used car. And on that note, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Simple Money Solutions Podcast. We can't wait to have you back here with us next week as we discuss a new topic. Thank you again. And until next week, keep it simple.